Welcome in to Crown Corner as we give you an opportunity to hear about what happened last weekend and get you ready for the first match in the League's Cup. Lopologic, Jessica Charman here with you. Always great to have a chance to talk soccer with you guys as we get you ready for a new competition on Charlotte FC's ledger. Uh, I want to talk about as briefly as possible, Jess, about what happened last weekend, and I'm going to be as delicate as I possibly can with this. That result against Montreal was one of the results where I feel like we didn't show our best selves. And, and I don't think we've been able to say that over the course of, of many Charlotte FC matches. I think, you know, there are matches where we've not won and yet I've seen effort. Uh, I'm not saying that we lacked effort. I would never accuse this team of doing that without being a player on the side, but it, it was hard to see the plan going forward and, and the way that Charlotte FC played it didn't reflect what I thought the this team was capable of in terms of the way they showed out against CF Montreal. I'm going to be honest. To me, in that post-game show, it was one of the most deflating performances we've had. I, I know we've lost by bigger scorelines, but this felt like one of the most disappointing performances across all areas of the field. You start from the goals that you concede that are calamitous, more disappointing defending, more you know, self-inflicted wounds, if you want to call it that. And then you look at the midfield and all the gaps that we saw there and the lack of co creativity, the lack of cohesiveness, the lack of guts, maybe. And then the attacking third where we didn't create a shot on target throughout all the lines of play, throughout the coaching decisions. It was just a very disappointing match. And I, I look back at what we talked about on Crown Corner and in the pregame show. We talked about what a vital match this was to set the tone before the break, to kind of go into the break with a positive feeling, feeling good about how we were doing in MLS. And also, as we know, Montreal being so close in the table with us, we called it a six-pointer. Well, not only did we lose a six-pointer, we also have this bitter taste surrounding MLS action right now. And yes, the League's Cup can create a positive break if we're able to make a deep run. But at the end of the day, it's not easy to forget where we're standing in MLS right now and the table doesn't look too pleasing. Yeah, I was able to. We were able to hear from uh, Brant Bronico uh, in the presser that took place uh, right before we recorded, and uh, we also heard from Christian Latanzio. Uh, both mentioned that this can kind of serve as a bit of a, a palate cleanser and, and more of a fresh start type thing. And uh, Latanzio talked about the fact that it is always good to, to have a match to to look forward to when you've had a result like you had against Montreal. Uh, I guess my point is, how easy are the problems from Charlotte FC's perspective, how easy are they to fix knowing that you're down two of your top defenders, Carujo and Melanda will not be able to be back for either of the two games in the group stage, it sounds like, and you won't have one of your top offensive threats in Enzo Capetti. Uh, you've got issues on both sides of the ball, conceding goals at a rate that's greater than any other squad in Major League Soccer. They're the first squad to concede 40 goals this season in MLS play. And then from the goal, from the offensive standpoint, they're coming out of a game against Montreal where they didn't even have a shot on target. Uh, which problem is greater and, and how are they fixed? Well, oh, tough, tough, tough question, Willie P. I mean, it's like apples and oranges, right? Comparing the two because they're both as catastrophic in their own ways. If I think from a defensive minded player, though, leaking goals that much it is just problematic at this point because 
we've been scoring a decent amount of goals. When you look across the league, we're not falling that disappointing in terms of the goals that we're scoring. But you can't expect us to be outscoring opponents when we're conceding, what is it now, close to two goals per game average. That's that's a concerning, concerning stat. Just three clean sheets on the season. Concerning, concerning stat. And I think the issue is, like you've said now, the injury is piling up. Yes, some will say it's an excuse, but as someone that's played in a back line, the ever changing personnel in the back line does make a struggle in terms of building chemistry, in terms of building cohesiveness. But without pointing fingers, a lot of the goals we're conceding are coming from individual errors or lapses of concentration. They are, as Ashley Westwood called it, high school level errors. You know, we don't expect to see that in high school soccer. So it's disappointing. There's a lot to work on. But we have to try and remain positive and think that this League's Cup is going to be a great opportunity for players to show that they belong on this team. Because I think I mentioned in the post-game show, I'm a big believer right now after the last few performances that everybody's jersey is up for grabs. There's not one player that is really solidified that they need to be in a starting eleven for the rest of the season. I'm curious what you feel like the back line will look like for Charlotte FC. And you and I have talked countlessly about how the constant changing has made things difficult. It seems like there's going to be another change. I mean, there'll have to be with no Carujo in there. But I wonder how much of an impression that Andrew Privet made on Christian Latanzio. I think he did a job uh, in terms of playing with Jan Zabaczynski. Again, I don't think I had that one on my bingo card before the season is due to sharing the center back position for Charlotte FC this season. Does he move Tui Loma back inside? Uh, he was asked about Jack Neely during the uh, presser earlier today. Uh, Neely is on the League's Cup roster, though I don't know if, if he will necessarily feature. It made it sound like that there's still some area for growth with Neely, although he was a big part of Charlotte FC's preseason uh, out in, uh, in Northern California. Uh, I'm wondering, Jess, how you feel like they'll line up in terms of uh, the way that back four will look. I think your guess is as good as mine. I think every Charlotte FC fan will have different perspectives on who they think should be in that back line, particularly the CB pairing. I actually think Privet and Jan Sobinczynski did a very good job together considering their ages, considering their lack of experience, considering their la lack of MLS reps. I thought they both did a very good job. And Privet, with his midfield kind of understanding, was able to fill that gap between the defence and the midfield kind of like what we expected from Derek Jones when he was playing in that CB role. And I think we got to see Privet and his distribution and willingness to get forward as well, which was exciting. Uh, I think Jan's done a, a good job of showing that he's a player that's going to be needed with our squad depth. But you do have a natural CB in Tui Loma. I, I know he's been part of the fullback experiment and Latanzo has said that he likes him there. But if we're looking for leadership and guidance in that back line, you would think that Tui Loma might get the nod just based on his experience at this level. I totally forgot about DJ being hurt too. Uh, so from that aspect, uh, I think we're wondering about his availability too as well. That was not something that was asked of Christian Latanzio in the uh, in the availability earlier today. It's hard to keep up today. with how many people are hurt, right, Will? You're, you're right. No, no I, believe me, as broadcasters of the team, even we have uh, slip-ups on that. But but if, if DJ is available... I mean, that'd be a world of a plus uh, for Charlotte FC. 
Oh, it would be absolutely vital because I do think, I know I talked about not many players being undroppable. I actually think Derek Jones has been an absolute catalyst to moments of Charlotte FC's success this season. But is he going to be ready? Is he going to be fully fit? Uh, I think just based on the comments he made after the DJ injury that it may be doubtful. We've also seen that this staff is quite... um, urgently trying to protect players you know we've seen how slowly they kind of reintegrate players into the system so I'm wondering if they will want to kind of put Derek in there knowing that the likelihood is he'll have to go 90 if he starts a game so something that you and I have uh, kind of surmised too uh this could be handled in a number of different ways by Christian Latanzio this could be kind of as a almost a as like a an exhibition type thing where you use this to try and almost kind of get in a lab in a real game setting to try and see how guys react. And you can kind of get yourself in, get some younger guys some time, whether that's a Chris Hagar or Brandon Cambridge, something of that nature, or Ajiman too, or you could go for it. And Chris Latanzio has at least given every indication from the Montreal presser that he is going to go for it. They are going to respect the cup. This is not going to be a glorified training session and out for Charlotte FC. And then they take the break and wait on until uh, the Miami house team comes in on the 20th of August. Uh, I'm wondering from your perspective, Jess, you know, how much tinkering do you feel like Christian Latanzio can afford to do knowing again, the limitations from a depth standpoint, they still were able to dress 28, 29 guys. So they are going to be able to fill out a 23 man roster, but I'm wondering how much of this will be somewhat of a mixed team from Christian Latanzio's perspective. I think the irony is, in my opinion, if you're going for it, if you're trying to pick up the victory, you're actually playing some of those young players that you mentioned. The likes of Patrick Ajman, Brandon Cambridge, Ben Bender. All of these are young players that are on the cusp of Latanzio's rosters. But I actually think that they deserve an opportunity to start. And I don't think that's playing necessarily a second string team like we see in cup competitions. I think that's going for it with the talent that you have and giving them an opportunity to express themselves. So I'm hoping we get to see some more minutes from the young guns, not necessarily as an experiment, but just because that they've played them way in to getting those minutes. We'll see. I just, I don't know about you, Will. I'm still feeling a bit raw from that Birmingham Open Cup game and how Mm. we handled that one. So I'm just hoping that we don't have another repeat of that kind of mindset we had going into a cup competition. Yeah, it's at least comforting that they don't have any other competitions to worry about at this time that it's a situation where you know the league does pause for a month and you are at least left to uh fend for yourself in this competition and there will be two new opponents with dallas and the coxa uh awaiting charlotte fc dallas is a team that i think they are a team that was negatively affected by the absence of jesus ferreira uh while he was out on gold cup duty Uh, he didn't play in their last contest a 1-1 draw against Seattle. And of course, he played on Wednesday in the MLS All-Star game. More on that in a moment. But I wanted to at least feel like, you know, you look at them. I watched their game against Seattle and try to get at least a fair look at them. I'm wondering if Ferreira will play a little bit, maybe in the second half. But uh, his inclusion definitely at least makes me think differently about this side. And also, you know, somebody who I thought just from afar would have been a bigger factor, Paul Ariola. Remember from before last season, that was a player that Charlotte FC and Dallas were both going after uh, very heavily. Uh, almost $2 million in GAM was used by Dallas to try and acquire the U.S. international. And uh, unfortunately, he's been hurt this year, hasn't had the stats to back up that, that GAM total it's not necessarily been the best from Dallas's perspective, yet they sit uh, firmly in a playoff spot in the Western Conference. 
Yeah, I think they're sitting eighth in the table right now when they've had, as we've seen with a lot of teams with the Gold Cup break, they were missing their key star man, Ferreira. And we know that Ferreira is a very special player, the first homegrown in league history to then become a designated player, obviously scored those back-to-back hat-tricks for the US men's national team for the first time uh, in history. A player's done that. So he's a weapon, right? And whether he's given 45 minutes, whether he's given a start, whether he's only given 20 minutes, he's still a player that can come off the bench or start and really hurt you. But I will say that when you look at the stats of Dallas, they are very dependent on Ferreira. He has 10 goals on the season. No other player has more than three. So they are that sort of one-trick pony in front of net a little bit. But I definitely don't think we should be writing off a side that's in a better form. You don't sit in the eighth position without having better form than where we were at the moment. So it's anyone's game. The other advantage I really think that Dallas has in this one is just being acclimated to the uh, incredibly difficult scenario that is the weather in Dallas. I think that they have an advantage that they've trained in these conditions, that they've played in these conditions, that this is their norm. I wonder how Charlotte FC players, yes, Charlotte is hot. Yes, Charlotte is humid. But from everything I've heard, I've never been to Dallas, but I've heard it's a completely different animal. It's uh, the Texas heat hits different. I'll say that. Um, I'm glad it's not Houston, put it that way. Uh, better Dallas than Houston, but uh, but both uh, are no bargain when it comes to the heat. Uh, and humidity that they will have to face when they go to Texas. Uh, the fact that the game is an 8 p.m. Uh, match uh, below the, uh, the sunset, so that, that'll at least help them from that perspective. Uh, lastly, before we get on out of here, I did want to ask you this because uh, watching last night in D.C., while I know it's an appetizing ticket for MLS to try to capitalize on, I, I don't know if what we saw last night with a 5-0 thrashing from Arsenal I don't know if that's the best way to showcase our league. You know, I liked it when it was the Liga MX All-Stars because it seemed like there was some competitive nature in that, and those two were were more closely matched together. Uh, An Arsenal team that finished near the top of the table in the Premier League and the MLS All-Stars that lacked cohesion and chemistry with Rayne Rooney as the head coach, uh, I don't know if that's the best way to look at our league because that just seemed somewhat embarrassing last night. Yeah, it was a tough watch, right? It felt like the goals kept coming. And honestly, there was a moment when the All-Stars went down 2-0 pretty early on that I was rather worried it was going to get even more out of hand in terms of the scoreline. I'm not sure if when they booked Arsenal, they thought they would be playing a full strength starting eleven for the full 90 minutes, pretty much. They really did play an elite squad. A lot of the times when you do these exhibitions you see serious rotation I think back to the Chelsea Charlotte game and that's not to disrespect or disregard Charlotte getting that win we know that was a very uh, cool exciting event for the crown but nonetheless let's be honest Chelsea rotated heavily Arsenal didn't Arsenal were using this very well as they should as a pre-season game trying to get their best players minutes and not taking any prisoners and like you say unfortunately and I can say this from experience you know coming from the motherland it's given English soccer snobs uh, another opportunity to kind of point, laugh and say, see, look at what MLS is like. So uh, I do think it was an unfair comparison in terms of plenty of quality on that all-stars pitch. But when you're having to rotate and sub out players every 20 minutes, it's not going to work like that. You look at Hani Mukhtar playing 20 minutes, Armada playing 20 minutes. Yes, there's other players that are all-stars that deserve minutes, but shouldn't you try and play your best squad as well? You know, I think that 
maybe they need to look into if they're going to try and play against the best rosters, they need to find a way to make sure that not as many people are represented because it was unrealistic to watch that lack of cohesion, like you say, Will, because we were making full field substitutions every 20 minutes. Not to mention the fact that, you know, those guys were playing probably a little more tentatively than they wanted to because of its placement in the season. I know that, you know, Leagues Cup is along, is, is kind of in the offing and that the MLS uh, season is far off. But I know people want to stay fresh for that. And, and like I said, for some reason, it just felt anecdotally different against uh, Liga and MX All-Stars the last couple of years. Uh, I, I love that you mentioned Chelsea because I do love that uh, the Chelsea ducked their uh, their date with an MLS squad to beat up on an EFL fifth division swap side. So, you know, not, not, not for nothing, but uh, f- funny how we ended up uh, getting the better of them and, uh, and Wrexham had a tough day at the office in Chapel Hill yesterday. Oh, well, oh, well. I know neither of us are the biggest fans of Wrexham, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on for that one. Oh, can't get you to say anything bad about Wrexham. I get it. It's fine. I'm just, I'm just sitting here. I'm, I'm just I'm excited just... to see how they handle financial fair play and the um, devilish regulations of EFL now that they've been promoted. Good luck, good luck to Ryan and Rob both uh, in that in that effort. Uh, no radio for the Dallas contest uh, tomorrow. We'll be watching it alongside you guys on MLS Season Pass on Apple TV. That's a 9 p.m. start time. We'll be back on radio for the Nacaxa game in the group stage, which comes a week from Saturday. I hope to uh, you guys join us for that contest. Jess, uh, look forward to seeing you next week, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking once this one kicks on Friday night. Looking forward to it. And remember, Women's World Cup at the same time. So have your split screens if you're a U.S. Women's National Team fan. I, I know Tonio and I will be having the two TVs going uh, when we watch that game together on Friday night. Uh, we'll watch U.S. and Vietnam alongside uh, the game on Saturday night in Dallas. Remember, you can also like, subscribe, and make sure you get all your soccer information from us on Crown Corner wherever you get your podcasts.